baseball. No crying. And this game's underway. Into the windup of his first offering. Just a bit outside. Here's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. Oh, my Set God. Deep to right field. Way up there. High, oh, high. And look who's coming up. You talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Here's the payoff pitch. Hello and welcome to Payoff Pitch, the Action Network's baseball betting podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Sean Zarilla, joined today by Charlie DeCirco and Tanner McGrath to break down the upcoming series for the ALCS and the NLCS getting started on Sunday with the American League between the Houston Astros and the Texas Rangers. The Philadelphia Phillies and Arizona Diamondbacks will kick things off in the NL. On Monday, we're going to take you through these two series, talk about any futures we like, for any of these four teams, some series props that we like in the ALCS and NLCS respectively, in addition to how we're looking at the odds and some player props for game one. We're going to start with the National League series. I believe it's where we have more of our action allocated at this point. I had Braves futures, hedged against them with the Phillies after the Phillies upset the Braves last night, tried to project out my World Series line, made the Phillies around plus 200. So I like their World Series line currently, down to about plus 200, bet plus 230 last night. Bit of advice, when you see, you know, these series wrapping up, any game that's wrapping up, I always have my computer open with all of my books open, shopping for lines for the next game, the moment they pop up, waiting for openers, but also in terms of futures, was sitting there with all of the World Series odds open, watching them adjust as the Phillies counted down the outs and seeing them go from plus 230 all the way down to plus 200 at some books, was able to grab a plus 225. Bounced down to plus 200, came back up to plus 220 in some spots. So shop around for the best available price on the Phillies. But I think instead of taking their series price or series props, which we'll talk about in a moment, I do just like the Phillies outright right now at plus 200. So gentlemen, uh, Tanner, I'm going to throw it to you first. Any interest in taking any of these four teams from a futures perspective right now? We'll talk about the individual series in a second. But do you like any of these teams in the World Series market at the moment? I haven't bet anything yet, but... Um... I probably would lay the fills at anything above plus 200 just because they have a much easier path in the championship series than the ALCS is going to be a bloodbath, probably six or seven games. We don't know who's going to come out of it. And the Phillies, God, they look like the most complete team right now. The With Wheeler and Nola pitching in form that they are, with the offense just crushing the ball, they've been by far the best offense during this playoff run, and the bullpen is the deepest um, – and just the best among these remaining four teams. The Phillies probably could be shorter than the current line. Um, I haven't bet it yet, but if I were going to look one way, I would look there. Yeah, the Phillies also would have home field advantage, not only obviously over the Diamondbacks, but also over the Astros, who are favored to come out of the American League. And as of last night, the Phillies now have the best postseason winning percentage at Citizens Bank Park compared to any other park in baseball history 703 winning percentage best record for any postseason team minimum of 20 games that has surpassed the new york mats at shea stadium who won 26 and 13 and the cardinals at bush stadium who were 35 and 18 so the bank officially the worst place to play for road teams come playoff time the diamondback gonna have to get through four games there i favor philadelphia six of the seven games in the series and the one game i favor arizona is a very slight margin. So, yes, Phillies do have the much easier path to get to the championship. And, Charlie, I believe that is why you have joined me on the Phillies to win the World Series as well. 
Yeah, Tanner mentioned the form that Wheeler and Nola are in. We're not even talking about the form that Ranger Suarez is also in. Mm-hmm. Like everybody on this Phillies team is playing well above just their caliber, or maybe even just the, they've reached their caliber and they're playing absolute unreal baseball. And like you said about the bank, it's an a hitter's paradise for the Phillies, and it's a nightmare for opposition to come into. I mean, I don't know if if you've seen any of the videos about Orlando Arcia, but he was going absolute ballistic against the fans and they're the fans are a a pest and it's going to be a very raucous environment and i think that gives philly an upper hand altogether and at plus 220 and this is kind of a thing where you expect the phillies or i guess we all expect the phillies to kind of walk through arizona arizona a lot of their pitchers have some underlying metrics that are of some concern so if you get to the world series all of a sudden you don't really have to bet that series you you're sitting on that plus 220 ticket so i like the phillies here and then riding that ticket all the way to the playoffs and you know you could always potentially hedge out based on how everything situates especially if they get the astros and our home field advantage that might be you know a little bit a good value spot to take uh, a little bit of a hedge yeah and i do see more of an edge on the phillies in the world series market than i do for the series price i projected their series price at minus 173 against arizona so i expect them to win about 63 and a half percent of the time The market for this opened as low as about minus 148 last night. I saw some minus 155s out there. It took a lot of steam. And even the offshore prices now have moved closer to minus 190. So it actually seems like there's more money offshore on the Phillies to advance than there even is domestically. But that line moved up about 40 to 45 cents. And I kind of expected that reaction right after the series. Again, partially why I jumped on the series, uh, the Phillies to win the World Series. I figured that would be that immediate right. reaction, that immediate allocation of capital from people like me who lost their Braves futures and wanted action on the team who seems like they're <laughs> taking care of unfinished business. But in terms of the series price, as I said, don't really see value on either side. But I do see value on a couple of series props In particular, my favorite way to bet this, Phillies minus one and a half games at plus 128. I projected that prop closer to plus 120. We talk about all the time taking smaller edges in these playoffs if you want to have some action. But I think intuitively, it really lines up not only in terms of how this series plays out, but how we bet the Phillies a lot last playoffs too. You get Wheeler, you get Nola, you get get them twice each. Seven game series, you get three of the six home games with the minus one and a half. So getting an even number of home games. Uh, and as I said, I favor the Phillies six out of the seven games in the series. The one game I don't is likely game three with Fod against Suarez. And I only make the Diamondbacks about minus 112 at home in that matchup. So really like the Phillies to take care of the series in six games or less with Willer and Noah starting twice each. And then I think even the minus two and a half games interest me as well. I projected that closer to about plus plus 290, plus 295. And I think there was a, uh, I might be plus 190, plus 195, and there was a plus 200 out there. So can't remember if it was around plus 200 or plus 300, but the minus two and a half games also for me as well was right around where I have projected it. But as I said, the minus one and a half getting Noah and Wheeler starting twice, I think probably the more favorable approach. And Charlie, I believe you are on that bet as well. Uh, and also some other potential props for this series too. Yeah, so I'm on Phillies minus one and a half games in the series alongside you. Uh, This is just a game, as you said, if you can get Wheeler and Nola four out of the six times, I'm going to be buying on the Phillies, especially in their current form. Especially this team is just even better than last season, the team that won the National League and and lost in the World Series. They're, they're, They're so much better. And Trey Turner obviously adds so much to this team. And their pitching is playing even better and their bullpen is even better. So at this point, I just don't know how the Diamondbacks are going to be able to compete with them, especially 
their bullpen pitching way above expected over the last couple series. And then to tack on, you know, Gallon, Kelly, we've, we can talk, we'll talk about this further and I'm sure everyone will talk about it on pods to come, but both pitching way above expected the entire season and in the playoffs as well. And then you get who knows who the D-backs are going to throw out game four. So getting the home field to start the series and potentially just taking over, I think that's huge here because we saw with Arizona, they were able to jump all over the Dodgers and then they kind of just rolled over and, and really didn't have much left in the tank. Uh, the Phillies, though, I think having that home field advantage and the D-backs coming to an environment where I don't think they're ready for it also. Like I th- the, the Brewers and the Dodgers, as good as they are, their home environments do not compare to Citizens Bank Park. So I think it's going to be a wake-up call and one that the Phillies kind of take advantage of a young Diamondbacks team. And then my favorite one, uh, which I threw about a quarter unit on, Alec Bohm to lead the NLCS in hits is 21 to 1. And if you look around at other markets, Bohm is as low as 18 to 1 in both championship series to lead in hits. So grabbing this 21 to 1 number, he's around the likes of Kyle Schwarber and... Uh, JT Ramuto and other players like that. And I think we're starting to forget how good Alec Bohm is because he's struggled in the playoffs. He's in the 92nd percentile during the regular season in expected batting average rate around 290. He doesn't strike out, puts the ball in play, plays high up in the lineup. He's not going to be down in that you know, seven to nine range. So he's going to get consistent at bats. He's going to probably get four to five times a game. And he puts the ball in play. And I was on him, you know, to win the World Series MVP last year, to get hits last year. That, that's just what the guy does is he gets on base, he gets hits, he puts the ball in play. So 21 to one, I think is an absurd number uh, and love him to lead. Just It's just a Philly D-back series, so make sure to shop around. And then Turner to lead the championship series in stolen bases. This one across all four teams, plus 550. Corbin Carroll, the obvious favorite, but Turner does lead the entire postseason stolen bases. He is also playing absolutely out of his mind right now. So a couple times on base, he's... The fast one of the fastest guys that's left in this postseason. He's going to also hit toward the top of the order and get consistent at bats. So I like him a little bit more than uh, Corbin Carroll, especially at this five point five to one number. And obviously, both of them, Moreno and JT Ramuto, good at throwing stolen base guys out, stealing JT with a slight edge also over there. Yeah, and the the LCS MVP market, uh, I think JT Realmuto was worth a look, not only because of his offensive contributions, but because of how Arizona needs to run on the base pass in this series probably to compete. That is the one edge that they have in this series is speed, base running, and JT Realmuto can be the guy who shuts that down. So a little bit of a sneaky MVP play for the LCS on JT Realmuto with his base stealing uh, prevention. And then also Zach Wheeler at plus 1,800 going to start games one. And game five maybe comes out of the bullpen in game seven if necessary. But uh, Zach, we're lowest whip in playoff history. We brought that up multiple times now. <laughs> He's at a different level in the playoffs. He bumps the velocity by a mile an hour. The special guys seem to be able to bump it up when they need it. And Zach Wheeler seems to be able to hit a different level when he needs to. So uh, Zach Wheeler, 18 to one for LCS MVP. Don't think is a bad look. Throws 12 shutout innings, gets a couple wins. Probably going to be his word, especially if they take care of this as I said, in five games, six games or less. So uh, Tanner McGrath for Phillies and D-backs. Any series props you're on? Any player props you're on for that series? We'll talk about game one in a moment. Yeah, uh, at the risk of not um, just copycatting everything you guys said, I'm pretty much aligned with everything. And unfortunately, everything that I mentioned about the infamous Snakes-Dodgers series from last week can be repeated here. I'll try not to use the, um, the P word. But the Phillies opened way too short. The line moved up, and the Phillies have every possible advantage in this series. They have a monster starting pitching advantage. Um, 
Nola and Wheeler look great. And obviously they look much better with a competent defense behind them after moving Schwarber out of left field. That's made all the difference. They have a combined 26 innings with only five earned run this playoff run. Um, I also like Wheeler for uh, LCS MVP. I think he can get higher than 21 at some books, but I think that would be my best look for MVP. Um, For what it's worth, though, a couple guys that have crushed Wheeler in the past that you might want to look at, uh, Christian Walker, Kettle Marte, and Tommy Pham are combined 18 for 44, seven extra base hits and six walks, combined OPS of like 1,300. So maybe look for some props there for another thing. But still, back to the actual starting pitching advantage, Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly are overvalued. Gallen overperformed all season, saw some regression towards the end. Kelly's stuff numbers were mid-87 stuff plus across his final 30 days of the season. His command trended down towards the end of the year. Now, both pitched great against the Dodgers, but I think that tells us more about the lifeless Dodgers lineup than against than you know the snake starting pitchers. And, you know, the Phillies lineup, it doesn't look lifeless right now. Like I said, um, they've been the best lineup of any playoff team this run. Most extra base hits of any playoff team, 13 doubles, 13 homers, 10% walk rate. Most barrels of any playoff team with 20. Everyone is red hot. Um, Now, it's worth mentioning that the Snakes actually have the second most barrels of any playoff team so far with 18. But that's probably a result of playing against Clayton Kershaw and Lance Lynn. They had three against Kershaw in one inning four against Lynn and his start. And otherwise they're still putting the ball on the ground too often, nearly a 50% ground ball rate. These playoffs, this was still a lackluster offense in the regular season leading to a negative run differential. If they get on base, it's electric, but do we trust them? And of course the Phillies have a monster bullpen advantage. Yeah. They're loaded in the back half of the pen with like five or six guys that I trust and getting the snakes through the middle relief to Kevin Ginkle and Paul Sewell is where I usually have my problems backing that team. Uh, and you know, I can't believe I'm saying this after just hammering the Dodgers in the last round, but I think I'm running it back with the Phillies in some shape or form. I'll probably bet them <laughs> straight up and lay some alternate lines. I'm martingaling against the snakes. I can't believe this team is going to make me go broke, but I really like the Phillies in this series. And I really like uh Wheeler to win the MVP. Yeah. I think games three, four, and five is where it's going to get really problematic for that Arizona bullpen, not getting the days off, having to play those three home games on consecutive days. I think that's where it really gets problematic for this D-backs bullpen. Game four, Ryan Nelson. I don't really know who's going to start for them, but whoever it is projects for like a high fours, low fives expected ERA. So they're going to have to bullpen this thing. And by that point, their bullpen is going to be on the consecutive day after Brandon fought may have been extended already. Yeah, I don't, I don't see logistically how the Diamondbacks, you know, put this series together unless they high roll a bunch of home runs again. And Philly seems to have them covered in the power differential too. In terms of the game one price, I projected the Phillies around minus 168, minus 180 for the first five innings. Again, this opened low. This opened about minus 138. Uh, bet this up, kept going up. It has continued to climb. I like it up to about minus 155 or so. Minus 158 is where I'd cut it off to. Uh, and then about minus 165 for the first five innings for Philadelphia in game one. It does come down to the bullpen advantage for me. Zach Allen, yes, I believe he has been uh, overrated for most of the year. He had an ERA around three for much of the year until September, until he got shelled, and that was almost a a full run differential between his expected and his actual marks. It is closer to a half a run now. It was much wider for much of the season, but 
yeah, a big starting pitching edge for Wheeler. Have to upgrade him during the playoffs too with the velocity bump. And then just the bullpen differential really makes things much wider for me. So no value on the total made it about 7.6, but I do like the Phillies for game one. As I said, up to about minus 160 would be my ultimate cutoff. Tanner, any bets for you for game one? Not really. Um, I missed the opener uh, on the Phillies. I lean Phillies and I lean over. Um, I think that Wheeler is maybe a bit vulnerable to the three guys I mentioned, the Christian Walker, Kettle Marte, Tommy Pham trio, but the Phillies also should pretty much crush Gallon. Um, that said, uh, yeah, both numbers have moved out of my range, but if I had to, I would take Phillies in the over. Uh, Charlie, any bets for you for game one? I know, you know, again, this just speaks to my point of like, as these games wrap up, guys, if you're listening, have all of your books open. I have all my books open. I will put in the bet as soon as I enter it and it will be within three minutes of the prior game ending. So that's how we get those openers. That's how we get those good prices. And that's how we lose lots of money on Dodgers minus 158, which ultimately (laughs) closes minus 230 to win the series. But you know what? Uh, I'll still make that bet any day of the week. Uh, Charlie, any bets for you for Phillies and D-backs game on? Yeah, I, t- I texted you immediately when I saw the line and I was like, this seems short, no? So yeah. I-, I joined the Phillies bandwagon with this one again. Uh, Gallon, 4-2 expected ERA, worst barrel rate, worst hard hit rate, worst ex-ERA of his entire career, uh, yet pitching you know above expectation. Zach Wheeler, you mentioned the velocity bump. Not even taking the velocity bump into account, he's you know among the top pitchers when it comes to just fastball run value average exit velo, getting chases, get not putting runners on base and limiting barrels. So I'm on the fills here. Uh, bullpen advantage is, and we keep saying bullpen advantage, it's really going to matter here. Uh, I give every edge to the fills in just about every department um, in this entire series, especially game one. Congratulations to your NL champion, Arizona Diamondbacks, since we are so consensusly, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word on the fills, but my goodness, I was hoping somebody would have a contrarian opinion here, be willing to take the Diamondbacks plus one and a half games. But <laughs> no, I, it's, you know, one of those things that both math and intuition tells me is a solid bet. Again, it's how we played the Phillies last year. Nola Wheeler twice, minus one and a half games. I think that's a solid way to bet Philadelphia at plus money. And then instead of laying the series price, just go ahead, jump ahead and take their World Series bet at plus 200 or better. Payoff pitch presented by BetMGM. Use the bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's turn our attention to the American League. We don't have as many betting thoughts, but I think this is going to be a much more competitive series, probably a longer series between these two AL West rivals. If one of you could look up for me quickly how the two teams did against one another this year, that's something I should have looked into. I believe the Astros pulled ahead and had the the advantage, but it might have only been by one game because ultimately they got the tiebreaker to win the AL West off of those head-to-head matchups. Uh, In terms of how I project this series out, I make the Astros about minus 140. So in alignment with the betting market, best price I saw was about minus 135 on Houston. Would not bet that. I do not have a bet on either end of the series price. The one bet, the one prop that maybe seemed in range was the Astros to win in five games. I projected that closer to plus 550. There was a plus 600 out there. Not a bet I necessarily love. And we're still waiting to see who the Rangers announces their game one starter. It could be Nathan Eovaldi. He would be on full rest after starting game two against Baltimore. 
it might be Jordan Montgomery who started game one in consecutive series for them. Just looking at the splits, the career splits against these Astros hitters, Montgomery 676 OPS in 80 plate appearances or 83 plate appearances against these Astros hitters. Eovaldi, a 970, 971 OPS allowed in about 165 plate appearances against these Astros hitters. So because of that, you may see Montgomery. I think this Astros lineup just projects a little bit better than lefties against lefties and righties, though. So no bets for me from a series perspective. Bit of a difficult time finding value on this series. I wanted to bet the Astros plus one and a half games and get this to seven. I wanted to bet the over six and a half games, get this to seven. Maybe something I'll just bet blind, but probably not going to force anything either. All of my action tied to the Phillies series for now. So, uh, Tanner McGrath, any thoughts on Rangers and Astros from a series prop perspective? We'll talk about game one in a second. I have a bunch of major thoughts and then one take. And first of all, uh, Houston went nine and four against the Rangers this season, outscored them 93 to 74. Thank you. Look, this Rangers lineup is just unreal. And it starts with Corey Seager, who is obliterating the baseball. Uh, 12 batted balls since the postseason began. So that's five games. Five barrels, five balls with an average exit velocity over 100 miles an hour. Three went for doubles, another for a homer. Uh, 430 expected batting average. He also walked 11 times in 25 plate appearances. 11. Two strikeouts. And of course, against the Astros this year, Seven games, 17 total bases, a one-dot OPS. Um, three of his 10 hardest-hit balls this season were against Houston. Uh, I thought that was interesting. A double off Brian Abreu, single off Hunter Brown, homer off J.P. France. But that gets to a bigger problem about this team, and it's how do you pitch to them? Not only is Seager a menace, but there's so much depth behind him. Adelise Garcia, Mitch Garver, Josh Young. All of a sudden, Evan Carter has added some more power to the hits. He also has six walks and, like, 20 PAs, three strikeouts. Imagine having two players in your lineup with 17 walks to five strikeouts. It's a huge reason why the Rangers have a 13% walk rate this playoff. So again, how do you pitch to this team? Yet the Astros are similarly deadly. Jordan is a postseason monster. Um, you know, four homers, everyone knows. He has a 1,200 OPS in seven games against Texas this year. You talked about the uh, Avaldi splits. Uh, Jordan, five for seven with two extra base hits against Evaldi lifetime. And of course, Jose Abreu was totally woke up, woken up. He crushed uh, Andrew Heaney in the past. I don't know if we'll see him, but that's something to look for. Uh, another guy to look for, Jose Altuve, seven home runs in eight games against Texas this year, five and 30 lifetime plate appearance against Evaldi. Now the Astros definitely have the bullpen advantage. I think the big thing for this game is going to come down to Max Scherzer. Um, and I think if we get the good Scherzer, I think that'll be the tiebreaker for Texas. If we get the bad Scherzer, I think it's the tiebreaker the other way. Um, for what it's worth, Scherzer had eight earned runs in 11 innings against the Astros this year. And Scherzer has a home run problem, right? Everyone knows that's kind of what happened this year. Houston homered four times off him that this year. One guy that has crushed him, Michael Brantley, 18 for 49 with 12 extra base hits and 11 RBIs. I think it's really close this series. I think that two lineups... Um, if we get Scherzer, I think the Rangers can compete from a starting p- pitching perspective, even if the Astros have a slight bullpen advantage. I do lean Rangers here. If I can get a better underdog price, I'd probably fire. I'd probably need plus 130 or better. I think that'd be enough to account for the Scherzer variance. Um, the one big take I have is that I will be betting Texas in the Framber Valdez start. I think that'll be game two. 
I think that uh, Framber is vulnerable to this lineup. Um, I mean, the Rangers, I think they can crush him. Uh, he got ripped for a 50% hard hit rate against the Twins and the Texas, you know, they crushed lefties. They were a top five lineup against the side all year. It'll be first five or full game, depending on bullpen usage in game one. And that is my main take. Should be a fun series. It's going to be a bloodbath. Ooh. Yeah, I uh, I expect to be on that game two line with you as well, Tanner. Assuming it is Nathan Evaldi, I would make it about 53% for Houston. So about minus 112. And I'd hope that we could get plus 120 or better on Texas in that game. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, I would probably lean towards the first five as well. Given the bullpen discrepancy and how I project these two out, I, I think uh, Fromber, a guy I've been down on largely this season, and it seems like he's giving up just a bit more hard contact. Uh, Charlie, from a series perspective, series overview perspective, anything you like for this ALCS? I know it was a tough one to handicap. Yeah, uh, I'm not taking uh, a bet on either side here, but I I do lean Astros in my opinion. Um, that's just more of just looking at the pitching. Montgomery and Evaldi are great, but then after that, I don't think there's much that the Texas, Texas really has. I, I'm not a fan of Dane Dunning, a guy that has some underlying metrics that are of concern. I'm not a fan of Andrew Heaney, and I'm not a fan of if Max Scherzer comes back. I'm assuming it's going to be in limited fashion, and even if he's not limited, we've seen plenty of times just how capable he is of getting blown up. So when it comes to these two teams and just looking, the thing that scares me and the reason why I don't pull on Houston is because of the Texas. Texas offense and that Texas offense can go ballistic at any moment in time. They are stacked. And, and as Tanner said, the rise of Evan full count Carter has been uh, a huge plus in that middle of the lineup. So no, no bet for me. I lean Houston. I think if you want to take uh Houston, maybe in four or, or in five or six, maybe that would be like a better look. I, I just, I think their bullpen's better. Their back three is way better than, Texas is, in my opinion, and that middle of the bullpen also kind of favors Houston. So just uh, gut feeling that Houston takes this one. Um, they also just have all the experience in the world, having multiple guys that have done this time and time again. So I think Houston's going to win this series. But I do think from a game-to-game -game perspective, there's going to be plenty of value on both sides in the prop market, too, uh, which is why... You know, I think that's I think that's where I'm kind of saving my my uh, bankroll is to attack these openers and a lot of these props that drop, especially on the pitching side of things. I will say this, uh, Charlie, because he mentioned how he's hesitant about firing on Houston because the Texas lineup can go ballistic at any time. And I think that's the main reason why I lean Rangers and would like a pretty good dog price on them is that two lineups that can go ballistic and a bunch of pitchers that we just have. Too many questions about, I think that we're going to get a lot of runs in this series. I think overs could be a look. And when you get a lot of runs and more variants, I just like taking the plus money. I like the dog usually. And I think that's a better play in the long run. So that is the, one of the main reasons why I think Texas would be a good look at a better price and why I'm the contrarian now on this show. Uh, no, it's it's good to have some altering opinions. I, I'm pretty torn on the series. I think I'd lean to Texas if you just told me to pick, you know, a side at the pricing blindly. Uh, just as you kind of leaned into Tanner variance with these two offenses, uh, I think Texas maybe gets overjuiced just because they've done it so many times before, right? A little bit more money coming in on their side. Uh, parlays tying the Astros and Phillies together probably to rematch too or the, those series matchup bets as well. You know, books are just balancing their liability against Astros to win the series, they're balancing against all of their futures. And I'm sure there's some Phillies Astros World Series matchup props out there too that they have to allocate against as well, just based on, you know, what happened last year and 
how these teams are shaping up and what people are probably piling on now with them as favorites. So yeah, uh, books books need to find a way to it not be Houston or Philly, I would imagine. Charlie, any final thoughts on player props for Astros and Rangers? Yeah, I think that when you want to look at this market and we've talked about how much runs can come in these games, I think looking at the CSRBI leaders is where you kind of want to do. Uh, Adolis Garcia plus 850 is intriguing to me. Abreu 16 to 1 given his current form to lead the series or it would be both championship series in RBI. I think when we look at both games, I think we're pretty much uh, hand in hand in expecting the Phillies to kind of take advantage early, whether it's, you know, five, six games. And this Astros Rangers game is going to be, or series rather, is going to be a slugfest and longer. So I like looking toward guys such as Adolis or Kyle Tucker or Abreu who will find themselves in the middle of the order, who will find themselves ahead of guys like Jordan Altuve or Seager and Simeon with guys on and converting, quite frankly, especially against the shaky pitching that we've mentioned a little bit with Verlander, but that goes beyond Verlander. That goes to Framber. That goes to uh, JP France. If he gets on or Keedy and on the same side of with Scherzer, Dane Dunning, Heaney. So I, I would look toward the RBI market. If you're wanting to attack this, especially in the CS is given the fact that I expect the Phillies to kind of take advantage and move things along quickly in with Arizona. One thing to note on Jose Abreu, don't mind him for MVP of the ALCS at 19 to one. Just something hitting behind Tucker and, and Alvarez. Anytime these opposing teams bring in a lefty and they have to leave him in for three batters, if you start him against Jordan, that means Jose Abreu, who has ridiculous splits against left-handed pitching, is going to get end up facing the lefty in that inning too. So Abreu, just by virtue of where he sits in the lineup, his form that he's in right now, and all the RBI opportunities he's going to get, 19-1 to win ALCS MVP in what could be a high-scoring series, I don't think necessarily a terrible look either. 13 games between Houston and Texas this season. Eight went over and one, two, three, four, five featured at least one team with double digit runs. Mm. High scoring series. Yeah. Uh, and I would probably lean to Texas in a higher variance, high scoring series. But I do think if it's high scoring, I think it happens in the middle games or later in the series. I don't think necessarily in game one with both of these offenses sitting around for four or five days and two fully rested bullpens. I think if we do get a lower scoring game in this series, it's probably going to come in game one, especially again, if Jordan Montgomery starts, those Evaldi splits are really concerning. The more I look into it against these Astros hitters, it's just the, the walk rate is really high. He has 16 walks again, and like 165 plate appearances. That's about 10% and just 29 strikeouts, which is an 18, 17 and a half strikeout rate. So these Astros hitters have some really good numbers against the Evaldi. I know I said, I'll be looking to bet him in game two, Maybe I'll be looking to bet a Texas team total over instead against Frommer in game two, given how these numbers are looking against the Evaldi. But in terms of the game one price, I made the Astros about minus 133. As I said, minus 140 for the series. So not a big discrepancy between the series price and the game one line where I'd project it. But I would make the total closer to 8.4, 8.5. So if you can get an under nine at minus 110, I would consider jumping in on that or I'd probably wait for a live under nine and a half. There's a run in the first inning. So no bet for me on game one as of yet. Again, still waiting on a starter announcement from the Rangers. I'm assuming personally that it's going to be Jordan Montgomery in game one, Nathan Evaldi in game two, and then maybe Max Scherzer in a potential game three. Uh, Charlie, want to start with your thoughts on game one. Any bets for you? I, I assume not. No. Yeah, I I, I do like your, your underlook. Uh, just based off just listening, but I, 
I, I, it's just a series that I, I find very confusing. If they go with Montgomery, I tend to think that it'll be lower scoring. If they go with Aldi, I tend to think I, I tend to think I'll end up on Houston as a side, but not too sure. Verlander can at times be shaky. And yes. again, these are two offenses that like it, it, once one once a couple hits start coming, you could see how much it gets away. Like we saw against Baltimore, just the hits started coming for Texas and all of a sudden, you know, it's it's seven nothing, seven one, whatever it is. And and the same goes for Houston. So no bet for me. Uh, on this game one, I'm going to be looking toward futures instead when attacking uh, this series on the prop market. Yeah, Verlander really struggled with his command in game one against the Twins, and I don't think the Rangers are going to swing at those pitches either. They're going right. to take a lot of those breaking balls. He couldn't locate it as a breaking ball at all, and they were pouncing on the fastball. I believe Lewis hit a fastball out. So, yeah, this Texas lineup, what Verlander was throwing in game one against Minnesota, they're going to spit at that all day or smack that around all day. So, Verlander's under props potentially for game one. I could see Texas getting to him. Yeah. I know we just talked about, you know, these these offenses being cooling off after a bunch of days. I'm worried about Verlander in game one. I'm just going to be honest. I, I did not like what I saw from him against Minnesota. I didn't like what I saw from him in his first playoff start last year against Seattle. His command looked wonky and the stuff didn't look great. Uh, in terms of game one bets for you, Tanner, again, nothing for me. We've given out some thoughts, though, about ways we might be leaning players we might be targeting from a prop perspective. Any bets you've actually fired on or anything you're thinking about firing on for game one? Nope. I've got nothing. I was waiting to see who Texas was going to announce as a starting pitcher. Um, yeah. If I had to, again, I know you you like the under. I still like the over. I think that these two lineups can crush each starting pitcher, even with the rest of bullpens, even with the um, – sitting around for four days, as you mentioned, um, I would just, I'd have to see what we get for a number and what the uh, starting pitcher situation would be, but I have nothing right now. Nope. And what the roof situation is, you know, both of these games are, or both of these teams play in convertible domes and the weather in Texas is pretty nice this time of year. Uh, it's, you know, very seasonable, like 72 at night. Uh, so there's a chance these roofs are open and that's just going to boost the offense more. So as of right now, assuming roof closed Saturday night, yeah, make it 8.5. If the roof open, it's going to be closer to nine. So I'm not betting it yet. Want to see who the starting pitcher is. Want to see what the weather is, what the roof situation is. Uh, but yes, I, I agree. Probably a higher scoring series. I think game one, the one game where I might bet it under. But even that is dependent on the roof and the starting pitcher announcement. So uh, lots of good thoughts there. Not many bets for Houston and Texas, but plenty of bets for Philly and Arizona, for Tanner McGrath, for Charlie DeCirco, I'm Sean Zarillo. We will see you Monday for another edition of Payoff Edge. Look at his crowd on its feet. What a tribute. No one wants to leave. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.